Hey, what is up, soccer fans? Welcome to week two of the Saudi Soccer Show. I'm Brian Lofermento, and I'm joined by my co-host, Nick Webster, the voice of soccer in America. Nick, what do you say this week? It's feeling a little bit like carnival here in August, especially in Saudi Arabia. Oh, I'm getting my samba on, Mr. Brian Lofermento. Lots of Brazilian action going on in the Saudi Pro League this weekend. I'm loving it. Already, we had a few hot takes last week, but in our preseason episode, I said a few things about a certain Roberto Firmino that are coming back to bite me already. Walk us through this weekend's results. Oh, Bobby was simply sensational. I mean, to come out the first game of the season and to score a hat-trick is is the stuff that dreams are made of. And, you know, it was funny, Brian, as, as we were doing the show last week and I was talking to you about what Firmino brings to a team and, and the different type of finishing that he can bring. Oh, it may, he made me sound like a genius because every finish was completely different. You know, he, classic near post header, little tuck away at the uh, far post, a little, you know, poacher's chance and then just a quality finish. I mean, he was absolutely superb in every department of the game. Yeah, it's true. And I know obviously a lot of fans are new to this league. Such an exciting season coming up in the Saudi Pro League. And the thing that struck me, obviously, not only Firmino putting it in the back of the net, which as a Manchester United supporter, I've got to give credit where it's due, but huge credit as well to the fans in the stands. This weekend was a burner already. The passion inside the stadiums, all around the grounds, all around the league. So much to talk about. Nick, a lot of great fixtures this weekend. Talk to us about some of your favorites. Well, no, we have to start with the Firmino one. Obviously, it's the first fixture of the weekend. Al-Hali against Al-Hazam. As I said, Firmino started off superbly. And within 10 minutes, they're already 2-0 up. Both goals, obviously, by Firmino. Now, Al-Hazam did make things a little bit interesting. Uh, Barbarossa de Souza scoring an absolute worldie in the 50th minute kind of made it a little bit nervous. But you did mention that carnival atmosphere in the stands. And for the home team, Al-Hali, the fans were really up for it. And they really did push the team on. And when Firmino got the hat-trick in the 72nd minute, it just took the roof off the stadium. And for the home side... 59% possession. This was the stat that really interested me. They bossed the game from start to finish. Seven shots on target, only two for the visitors, fully deserving of their three points. And I got to say, this was a statement performance. And when you think about what's possibly coming down the line for this club, there is so much good news. Yeah, it's true. And it's funny because we saw four goals from Brazilians in this one fixture alone. It's going to be a theme in today's episode. And listeners, you're in for a real treat today because we've got a special guest coming on to give us the ins and outs of everything that's going on around Al Ali, as well as a lot of teams around the league. Nick, where else are your eyes on this weekend's action? Well, you have to go to Ahilal. Obviously, the big news today, and we're going to get into it in further detail, is a certain player by the name of Neymar, another Brazilian, coming to the Saudi Pro League, but really upstaged by Malcolm, who banged home what I would consider a superb hat-trick, especially the third goal in their 3-1 victory on the road against El Haba. I mean, this was, a, this was once again another performance that lays down a marker that says we're for real and i know we're focusing we're going to be focusing primarily on the top five at the moment until someone of the uh should we say lesser teams starts uh, making some noise but ahilau were absolutely superb and this is the stat 
that really jumped out on me. Possession, 73%. Ah Hilal was so greedy with the ball. Apa didn't even, didn't even know what the ball actually looked like. And, uh, you know, when you've got a player of Malcolm's ability who can, who can finish with such enduring accuracy, then I think that Neymar could even struggle to get in the team. No, what am I talking about? Of course, he's not going to struggle to get in the team. But I will say for Abha, Syed Bougier scored what could possibly be the goal of the season so far in the 33rd minute. So if you are near your computer, which I think you are, go onto YouTube and watch this goal because it is an absolute worldie. But looking at the highlights overall, Al-Hilal, very good value for the win and, uh, you know, statement performance. And with Neymar coming, whew, I don't think I don't, I, the bar, the bar hasn't been set yet, which is, I think, really frightening for every other team in the league. Yeah, Nick, you, you called out our focus on, we're calling it the Big Five already, and I think part of it is that all of these Big Five clubs, now we're going to talk about my favorite boys in yellow, Cristiano Ronaldo's Al Nassar. We're going to talk about them in just a little bit, but yeah, you're right. The bar hasn't necessarily been set just yet because we saw the Big Five showing up and doing what we expect them to do. I always love, in terms of American sports, for example, within an NBA playoff series, fans always say the series doesn't start until the away team wins one. And we saw that this weekend, that the big clubs, they showed up, they got the results, they got the points that we were expecting from them. Take it to the, the defending champions, Al-Itihad, who put in a pretty resounding performance. Well, it's, a, it's an interesting one. al the home side, actually made life very difficult. And I, I was really impressed with them. Defensively, they were super disciplined. No gaps, no holes for Al Itihad to really uh, penetrate through. And it took until the 58th minute until uh, Hamadala opened up the scoring. Once they had that little bit of a cushion, then the Samba football came into action and Igor Coronado. And this is a very interesting player, actually. So Coronado is 30 years old, so he's not exactly a spring chicken. But guess where he began his career? You're never going to guess. Lay it on us, Nick. Milton Keynes Dons. That's right. Milton Keynes Dons, a team in the lower leagues of English football. Igor actually went there as a 15-year-old. He was that talented and was within the, uh, the, the youth program and just on the cusp, actually, of the first team as a 16-year-old, but he didn't actually make it. So he traveled around a little bit before bouncing around and ending up in uh, Saudi Arabia. Well, in the 73rd and 79th minute, Coronado exploded into action. He gave us that Brazilian flair, two goals, and it ended up being a very easy afternoon for Al Hittihad, the defending champions. Nice little 3-0 win on the road, but once again, that Brazilian flair is just coming through this league. And I wonder, I just wonder how many more Brazilians may be making this journey to Saudi Arabia. Yeah, it's true. And it's a good observation as well. I'm glad that you pointed out it was nil-nil at halftime. We saw it in so many matches during the opening weekend is that they were really close games heading into halftime. And I don't know if it speaks to the, the volume of the managerial experience that we have throughout the league, but a lot of second half goals across the board, including a certain English manager with a debut win on the back of two second half goals. Tell us what happened with the ex-Liverpool boys. Oh, yes. Well, this was, this was the big game of the weekend. Okay. And I, I know, I know, you, look, Brian, he's, he's got a little tear in the eye. 
you know, his, his boy Ronaldo on, on the losing side, El Atifak against Al Nassar. It was always going to be, you know, the Ronaldo tale. But unfortunately, Cristiano wasn't fit. Oh, I mean, big, big, big blow for uh, the El Atifak fans who surely wanted to come out and, and see one of the world's greatest players. But yes, this the the debut of a certain Steven Gerrard, the debut of a certain Sadio Mane, uh, making his first competitive start in Saudi Arabia. And did he disappoint? Absolutely not. It only took him four minutes to get on the on the score sheet. Bit of a scrappy goal, but you know what? They all count the same as, a, you know, a, one, one dinked in at the near post counts the same as a 30-yarder. So Mane gets off on uh, a great foot. Uh, Aletifak really devoid of ideas and and uh, in terms of this this possession stat that we talk about and obviously you know it's, it's very important because of the uh, climatic conditions in Saudi Arabia Steven Gerrard's team only 40 percent of the possession Al Nassar 60 percent and uh, looking at Gerrard on the sidelines he looked like a nervous fella don't know what he did at halftime, but it must have been something really, really special. Uh, I'm wondering. Well, I, I'm, we'll, we'll have to. Uh, we'll have to have someone write in or call in and let us know what the Arabic version of the hair dryer treatment is. Very famous term, coined by Sir, well, coined by Sir Alex Ferguson's players for the rockets that he would deliver at halftime if the team wasn't delivering. I'm assuming Gerard gave him a rocket because they came out completely different looking team. Robin Quazon made it uh, 1-1 in the 47th minute. A terrible error, actually, by the goalkeeper uh, of uh, Al Nassar. And I'll give you his name, which is Alakwidi. And uh, he's not going to be very popular because it really was a shocker. Ball came in. Nice, easy cross for him. And he, and as he came down, he, he bounced it off his own defender's shoulder, popped off. And it was an absolute tap-in for Quazon. And then just six minutes later, Moussa Dembele, we spoke about him last week in our preview show. He gets the winner. Another scrappy little effort. But like we said, they all count. And Al Etifak get the three points. And this was the interesting thing for me, Brian. The reaction on the sidelines by the coaching staff was it was almost like they'd won the league they'd won the champions league i mean it, it was that expressive and that really tells me a lot about not only the passion that gerard is is bringing to his team but maybe the pressure that he was under to produce a result yeah, I love that overview, Nick. I think that if there's one thing I'm going to add to this, new fans to the league might be wondering, well, what the heck happened with Ronaldo's Al Nassar? Last week, we we're talking about them as potential title favorites, and here they are dropping points in their opener. Congratulations to Al Nassar, because on Saturday, they were crowned Arab Club Champions Cup winners on the back of a Ronaldo brace. So that was on Saturday. Their match was then on Monday. Nick, not much turnaround time there. And I think it goes to show the added pressures, you talk about the climate already, it's the added pressures, the climate combined with the schedule, clubs going in and competing on multiple fronts, it's something that English Premier League fans are very accustomed to, between the League Cup, the FA Cup, the Champions League throughout the season, there's a lot of great fixtures with a lot of players on display, and Nick, I think that's one thing we saw around the league over the weekend is that new signings are being embedded in, they're having time to adjust, we saw some rotations, not all the top stars were playing just yet, but clubs still grinded out the results and and i know that there's another fixture that you want to walk us through right now as well well look let's let's quickly go back to that el nassar victory um 
that is the reason why Ronaldo wasn't in the you know in, in the eleven for yesterday. I mean, it's just it's too tough. You know, there's there's no way as great as he is, there's no way he can play two games in the space of four days. So, yes, we'll have to wait for the uh, debut Ronaldo in the Pro League, but don't worry, folks, it'll be coming really quickly. Yeah, and what a luxury that in the absence of Cristiano Ronaldo, who starts to make his debut and scores in just the fourth minute, one and only Sadio Mane. So love that interjection, Nick. It Again, I want to reiterate for new fans of the league, the rotation options on display this season throughout the Saudi Pro League mean every match has got stars, every match has got drama. There's so much to see all around the league. Anything else you want to add in or, or talk results before we head into today's guest nick well i think you know we 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 have to talk neymar he's he is going to al hilal and this is where our guest is coming from today um i think this is the biggest statement yet and 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 it's, it's incredible to think that all the statements that this league has made already we're talking about we're not talking about a has been we're talking about someone in the prime of his career. Now, remember, what, when we talk about prime of careers, we generally look at players at the age 28 to 32, 33. Neymar is 31. Let me just quickly go through some of the things that he's done. Played for Santos, 107 goals. Played for Barcelona and won everything, including the treble. At PSG, he's won the league every single year. Quite simply, He's one of the greatest footballers the world has ever seen. And by him now saying, I'm going to go to the Saudi Arabian Pro League in the prime of his career, I think he's telling everybody that this is the league. Now, you know, and I know that we are both fans of the Premiership, but I am spending my time watching highlights from the Saudi Pro League, not the Premiership at the moment. Yeah, it's it's a really bold claim to make. And, and we also heard Cristiano Ronaldo talked even more in depth about that exact topic over the weekend, which we are for sure going to address his comments and so much more at the end of today's show. But Ronaldo even warned, he said, hey, the quality of the Saudi Premier League is on the rise, whereas the quality of certain European leagues is also on the decline. And when you combine those factors together, there's no reason why more and more fans aren't coming to the Saudi Pro League, Nick. And that's why we're so excited to be part of this season's action and to bring all these updates, including special guests, to fans all over the world. So, Nick, what do you say? Is it time to queue up today's special guest? All right. So we are so excited to be joined by the one and only Gregoire Axelrod as part of our first episode with a guest here on the Saudi Soccer Show. Gregoire is a former footballer himself. He came up through academies in France and he is now an agent. He's a journalist that covers the game that has a lot of say into the deals that are happening as well as that. So Nick had a chance to sit down with Gregoire this past week. So I'm not going to say anything else. Let's dive straight into today's special guest, Gregoire Axelrod. Well, it gives me great pleasure to welcome to the Saudi soccer show, Gregoire Axelrod, based in Andorra. He's been pre-season with the Al Ali team. Welcome to the Saudi soccer show. Thank you, Nick. It's a big pleasure to be with you. Well, let's get straight into business here. There's so much going on with this team. The amount of transfers that have come in. Let's go through them very quickly because 
it's so exciting that the Saudi Pro League is is getting these world-class players, and in particular, this team that is newly promoted. So let's start with Edouard Mendy, a uh, very expensive goalkeeper. He's come from Chelsea. What's the thinking behind signing Mendy? I think uh, Saudi people understand uh, how it's important to have a goalkeeper because we saw with the Chinese uh, league, it was forbidden to recruit a uh, foreign goalkeeper and uh, they have so many stupid goals. So now they want a strong goalkeeper and Edouard Mendy was one of the best uh, in France with Rennes and uh, he showed also with Chelsea the quality. So I think they go step by step. First, goalkeeper after the striker with uh, Roberto Firmino with uh, incredible star. For me, he's the same level than a uh, little bit less than Ronaldo or Benzema, but he's just uh, just close. Talk to me about the qualities that Firmino is going to bring to the league. Um, you know, so, so little is known about the SPL. Prior to Ronaldo signing, really no one was talking about the Saudi Pro League. Obviously, with the arrival of Cristiano Ronaldo, uh, it's it's now becoming one of the most popular leagues in the world. Roberto Firmino has been a, a superstar uh, his, his entire career. Um, and there's so much intrigue about the transfer fee. Did he come on a free? Was it 18 million euros? Perhaps you can shed some light on that. Yeah, Roberto is different because he's young. He's only 31. And if you compare to Cristiano with 38 and Benzema 36, I think. Uh, so it's a big difference because it's unusual in Middle East to have young players who can still play three, four years in Europe and join Saudi. Alan Samaxima from Newcastle is 26. And for me, Alan will be the best player in the league. Listen, he signed, he had one training. The next day we play against Al Shaman, a club in Qatar. He destroyed everybody. He, he was impressing. Really, really. I think the Maxima will make the difference and all the fans will be totally uh, crazy uh, with him. Yes, yeah, so Maximum is one of these players that can seemingly conjure something out of nothing. Within the style of the Saudi Pro League, what qualities do you think he's going to bring and, and, and why will he excel at this level? Uh, for me... I like Alain Samaxima because he played middle-class team in, New in Newcastle. And uh, when you play for big clubs like Man City, Liverpool, you are used to have superstar with you. But when you play with a middle-class team, you need to make the difference alone. And that will be um, the little time of to adapt. Uh, for example, with uh, Alain Samaxima, who will uh, uh, go immediately on, on, on be very efficient. And for example, players like uh, Riyad Mahrez, who come from big, big club, and maybe uh, it's a different level, of course, uh, to play against uh, a team uh, who doesn't have uh, 11 uh, world-class players. We, we have seven, it's good. But still, it's a small difference. You, you, bring, you bring out Riyad Mahrez, and he's, he's one of my favourite players. I mean, his left foot can make, can make the ball talk. Uh, he comes from Algeria. And I'm just wondering, the... Uh, when, when, when we look at the uh, environment and, and the climatic conditions, so different to England, you know, we're, we're looking at England, very usually very cold, usually very rainy. Uh, obviously, Saudi Arabia, uh, the temperatures are very high there. Uh, Mares grew up in Algeria, a very uh, sim similar climate to Saudi Arabia. Do you think that's going to help him uh, adjust a, a lot quicker? Hmm. It's, it's funny because... Uh... 
Rian Mares, for example, on Edouard Mendes, they play African Cup of Nations. So they know what is it to play uh, in Africa in very difficult situation uh, with the pitch, with the uh, weather. So for them, they are more used than, uh, for example, players uh, uh, like uh, Roberto Firmino. But uh, I, no, I don't think it would be a big difference for them. Uh, but of course, uh, it's, it's difficult uh, because it's uh, sunny all the year and it's, it's dif- your organism needs a little bit of time to adapt. But the, the player who played uh, African Cup, uh, they are used to, uh, I'm not scared for them. Talk to me a little bit about the conditions because, uh, you know, we, we I think the, the general sense is that it's very, very warm in, in Saudi Arabia all the time. But, you know, I've, I've done, done my research and it seems to cool down quite a bit in the evenings. And I, I, I am assuming, you know, that's when many of the kickoffs are happening. Yes. In fact, in Saudi, they only train the evening. Uh, no one club trains the morning. Some coach they try, but it didn't work. And uh, the training is at 7 p.m. Uh, in Saudi. So all the day, it's difficult for the player. So they have a lot of gym. But um, in Europe, it's better because you train at 10 o'clock until 11.30. And after you can rest, you can go to bed and, and sleep afternoon. And now all the day, you need to wait uh, for the training. And when you finish late, you need to eat late after. So for me, it's a small problem to train the night. Talk to us about, quickly about the manager, Matthias Hassel. He's, he's German. Uh, I understand he's very methodical, um, but he's, he's progressive. He's, he's, he's a young coach. And, uh, and obviously, there's a lot of pressure on him because when we look at what uh, Ali has done in the, in, the, in the preseason, they've been one of the big, big spenders. How much pressure is he under to deliver the goods and, and, and where does the team need to finish? So the, the pressure is maximum in Saudi <laughs> for Al-Ali, for everybody. Um, reality is Matthias is a very good coach because he knows how to develop players. And for me, the key in Saudi is to manage the 15 players who are not uh, foreigners because all the, all the day, you have to train with them. You have to play with Saudi. So he will make progress. He will make a lot of progress with them. And after he look, uh, he's very charismatic, uh, very professional. Uh, but after uh, Saudi football is different than uh, Austrian uh, football. Huh? So he did well in Champions League and um, it will be very interesting to, to see. But of course, they need to finish uh, top four. And I think all the fans, they want them to be champion. When you look at the competition in the league, who are the big threats to this club this year? Me, I believe uh, Al Nasser uh, with uh, Cristiano because he's so, so a big leader that uh, he can change a team. And uh, after all the team change, I, I think it's never happened in the history of football to have such a revolution in so small time. Because six months ago, nobody wanted to go to Saudi. Really, nobody before Cristiano. And now... Me, I have so many players, adjunct who contact me. Uh, listen, we bring Frank Kessier from Barcelona, Roberto Firmino Liverpool, Real Mahrez, Man City. And, and this club play in second division last year. Imagine if we do the same in France or in England, we take a, play, a, a club from championship and we bring them so many crazy players. It's, it's never happened, this. It's something crazy. And they have a plan for 10 years 
and they are very, very serious. So Saudi is the future. It will be like the NBA uh, of like uh, in basketball in US. So talking of crazy, I heard a rumor just yesterday that if this league keeps on growing at the pace that it is growing, there's a possibility of an invitation to the UEFA Champions League. Have you heard about that rumor? No, uh, I think uh, they, they are only focused on their league now. But I believe that the Super League could happen with them, of course. And uh, for the Champions League, uh, I don't know. I think we need the superstar. And in Europe, we are the big loser because we, we lose uh, the best talent. And when we go uh, to see uh, Man City played, we don't go to see the centre-back. We go to see the Real Marais. The same for Liverpool. So I think we, we will need to adapt and um, yes, to, to, to bring a Saudi club in Europe to make uh, big games together. I don't know, but uh, it's a big, uh, big problem, big loss for European football, what is happening. At the top of the show, you did mention the Chinese league, and I'm going to go back in history, just, you know, five, six years, and, and China really made a big play to become a big player in world football. The experiment failed spectacularly and cost them a lot of money. What's the difference between China and the Saudi Pro League? Well, in China, it was also from the political reason that they wanted to develop in football. Uh, but uh, I think they, they, they made the mistake to not sign enough foreigners and uh, to sign them when they were finished, where they were close to finish the career, except uh, some players like Oscar, for example. And um, also, they didn't develop professionally the young generation. They put everything with the first team. And uh, with, with Saudi, I see the negotiation. They are very difficult in negotiation. <laughs> they are not easy. And uh, all the players they take is players who still have five, six uh, years to play minimum. And uh, I think they think long term. They already have a big fan uh, inside the clubs. So Alali was already full before uh, uh, Firmino, before Real Marais. So they have a big fan base. The football was already one of the best in Asia. Uh, and China was never, uh, never won the Asian Champions League, for example, in China. So we are not at the same level. And uh, I think the problem is Chinese clubs, they make partnership with Real Madrid, with big club, but um, they didn't follow so much. They, in Saudi, it's real passion of football that we don't have in China. Before I let you go, I'm going to put you on the hot seat. The domestic yes. season begins today. Who's going to win the league? Who's going to win the King's Cup? And will one of the big four challenge for the Asian Champions League? Oh, who wins the, the league will be Al-Ali, of course. <laughs> who wins the cup is Al-Ali. And for the Asian Champions League, I will say Ali Lal. So I let, uh, because Al-Ali will not play Asian Champions League. So. Gregoire, thank you so much for joining the Saudi Soccer Show. Um, hopefully we can come to you throughout the season to get your insights and to keep up with what the club's doing. Yes, of course, it will be a pleasure. And I have a lot of friends there, so we can make a lot of things. Thank you. 
Nick, so many great takeaways from that interview with Gregoire. Kudos to you for really hosting an awesome session from him. The thing that I really liked is he makes it abundantly clear how intentional the Saudi project is when it comes to the Saudi Pro League. And one thing that he said that really stood out to me as someone who got to tune into that that interview is he talks about how many of these players, Riyad Mahrez, he talks about Mendy, they've already played throughout Africa. They've already been accustomed to these really tricky situations. And not only does that help them as they get accustomed to the Saudi Pro League, but it also means that the Saudi Pro League is get accustomed to football coming to their region of the world. And I love the contrast that both of you painted between what China tried to do many years ago and, and didn't do so great of a job at. And Gregoire really breaks down why the Saudi Pro League is a different type of project, one that's really propping up football inside the entire region and bringing a whole new host. Nick, it leads me to ask you the big question, which if we're really looking at the Saudi Pro League on a global, on a macro level, it's got to be the fifth best league in the world already, right? Oh, Brian Luframento throwing it down with the hot take. Well, look, if we, if we look at traditionally what we think as the big five, it's obviously the premierships there, Serie A, La Liga, and the Bundesliga. Are you saying that the Saudi Pro League has given the old sharp elbow to League Un? Nick, what I am going to say very publicly is that one league has a lot of big players leaving and the other has a lot of big players coming. And there's a big elephant in the room that we haven't even talked about. We are obviously talked about Neymar already. The future of Kylian Mbappe. Where's he going to go? And where does that leave League Un? Well, Gregoire, funnily enough, as we're doing this show, he's WhatsApping me and saying that there are so many rumors floating around Paris right now that there is going to be a world record offer for Mbappe. Now, we've just spoken about Neymar and the 100 million euros and the 200 million euro a year contract. What on earth will Mbappe make? Yeah. And who of the big five is going to take their money out of the wallet and throw it down on the table Vegas style. Yeah, Nick, I'll tell you what, with Mbappe inevitably leaving, how are you not joining me in this take this week, comfortably saying the Saudi Pro League, number five in the world. I don't hear many good arguments saying the alternative. I will say this. Okay, currently I'm putting the SPL Six or seven. There's some. There's Ligon. I really, I really like what goes on in in Argentina. Uh, the Japanese J League is fantastic as well. But if Mbappe leaves and goes to the SPL, I may have to say we're not talking five. We're not talking four. We're talking maybe three in yeah. the world. Yeah, and, and one thing that you and Gregoire didn't go too deep into is how many of these players are in their primes. You mentioned it much earlier in this episode when we talk about the likes of Benzema, the best striker in the world playing in the Saudi Pro League. Obviously, Sadio Mane coming off the back of a season at Bayern Munich where he, I mean, obviously he didn't shine in, in Germany last season, but we saw him as one of the best of the best during his days at Liverpool, which is not that far into the past. Bayern, obviously, shifted our thinking a little bit there but gosh Nick we are in store for some real treats what are where are your eyes at for this weekend what are you looking for in the coming month August is obviously a big month on the football calendar what can we look forward to over the next week in the Saudi Pro League 
Well, to be fair, Brian, I'm still luxuriating in my samba. I wish you could see my footwork. Okay, I'm I'm feeling Brazil, and if if you look behind me on my other shoulder, there's one of the most iconic pictures in world football: Bobby Moore and the great Pelé embracing after their classic 1970 World Cup encounter. Pelé, the greatest Brazilian player of all time. May he rest in peace. I loved him as a player and as a person. And now we have these Brazilians who bring so much joy to the game of football. And they're all coming to the SPL. So that's that's my takeaway from this week. And I, I'm, I'm hoping to see more, more Brazilian Jogo Benito next week in the SPL. Yes, I'm not saying that Nick's samba moves are what's clearing the dance floor, but listeners and soccer fans worldwide, that's a wrap for this week's episode. I want to remind you that you can tune in. We are officially distributed everywhere that you can tune into podcasts, whether you're on Apple device, we're now listed in Google Podcasts as well. Find us on YouTube for all the visuals that go along with our episodes here online. So whether you're tuning in via audio or video, we are so excited to continue bringing you the best of the best in the action of the Saudi Pro League.